I had already been diagnosed with Sjogren's syndrome. It is attacking your moisture producing glands. I have extremely dry eyes, very dry mouth, but it's also your internal organs. Everything is dry. And then it also acts a little bit like RA, rheumatoid arthritis. Lots of chronic pain. I have fibromyalgia thrown in there. My PCP, she felt something. I said she wanted me to have an ultrasound. They found this tumor and it was papillary thyroid cancer. It's just been like basically one battle after the other. Welcome friends. You're listening to The Hook with Sarah Larson, a podcast that's curious about disruption and how it affects our personal lives, our careers, and the people around us. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, a business coach and serial entrepreneur, but also someone who truly enjoys deep conversations. This week's guest is the incredible Amy Blankenship. Amy shared the accumulation of trauma throughout the years, starting with depression and compounded by health issues, lack of insurance, familial betrayal, and financial struggles. Despite the hardships, Amy's perseverance shines through as she shares the journey of her professional career, being diagnosed with thyroid cancer and undergoing surgery and treatment. You know, I love to talk about life's disruptions, and Amy has no shortage of experience to share. Throughout her journey, Amy discovered yoga and energy healing practices. She emphasizes the importance of finding a supportive and inclusive yoga studio that helped her embrace her body's needs. Amy is now a certified yoga instructor, Reiki master, and human design guide. I've only known her in these roles, and I was saddened by her story of family rejection but encouraged that she found her tribe among the dog rescue community members who were just as willing to rescue one of their own. Since this recording, I have taken Reiki Level 1 training with Amy, and I'm excited to begin Level 2 next month. Certification does not have to be for the purpose of income-producing work, although it is very much needed. I was most interested in using Reiki's powerful energy healing on myself, but I'm also growing my intuition through the practice, which is something I can use in my coaching. In addition to teaching Reiki, Amy's working on a free group Reiki session for dog rescuers and other caregivers. She is really passionate about helping these valued members of our society and wants to share her gifts with them. Amy has recently become a human design reader for the You Do Woo brand and also offers a combination of human design and Reiki sessions. You can follow her on Instagram at amyinalignment to stay in the loop as she continues to grow her community and offerings. Send her a DM to inquire about any of her services or follow her link in bio. Before we get into the episode, I want to quickly share something with you. Since January of this year, I've been doing a weekly planning session with a good friend. We haven't missed a single week, despite travel and life's disruptions, because we've discovered how much it helps us get things done. Even if I don't follow my plan every single day, I at least know what I have coming up. It's helped me so much, I decided to host a planning session so others can reap the same benefits. You're invited to join me for a weekly plan with me on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. I'm calling it Breakfast Blend because I love coffee, but it's a come-as-you-are Zoom session. So bring your drink of choice. Come-as-you-are, no makeup required, PJs and bedhead are welcome. We start by celebrating our wins for the previous week. We have a little bit of quiet time where we put ourselves on mute to do some planning and then come back together to talk about what we have coming up. Come join me Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern. Oh, did I mention it's free? And just in case you're one of those people that thinks they don't have any wins to celebrate, I'm going to show you how to find them. So come anyway. I send out the Zoom details every Sunday morning by email. So look for the sign up link in the show notes. Whether you're curious about starting a business, just beginning your journey as a business owner, or are a veteran entrepreneur, this podcast is an opportunity to learn from the experiences of my guests. Get ready to be inspired by Amy Blankenship's unwavering determination and her ability to find strength in the face of adversity. Let's begin. Welcome to The Hook with Sarah Larson. I am your host, Sarah Larson, and I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, Amy Blankenship. Amy, would you be so kind as to explain to us what it is that you do? Sure. Hi, I'm Amy, and I am located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
so asking what I do is kind of a, an <laughs> interesting question. question sometimes because, I mean, I will tell you, I have a, what I call a quote unquote normal job um, that I work nine to five or well, seven to three. Um, I do work for our local um, uh, police training academy. So I have a normal job. And then, um, so the other part of me, um, I am a yoga teacher, a Reiki master and human design guide. And yeah, so I kind of embrace my full uh, woo side. That's how I know Sarah. <laughs> I'm trying to get my own business started with everything that I enjoy doing. Oh, and I also um, do dog rescue. So I got to throw the dogs in there too. Yes, you do. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I loved finding that out about you because uh, <laughs> I am a dog lover, have no children. So yep. I love the dogs. Um, no children here. And yeah. definitely um, I have plenty of dogs. I have five. Um, they're all smaller, so they don't take up too much room in the bed. That's good. Yeah, we don't we don't do dog in the bed, but then again, we have a husky and she's hot and wiggly and hairy. <laughs> Let's go back. I'm going to start with um, where I start all my conversations. Where did you grow up? Are you from Pittsburgh originally? What was your childhood like? Sure. Um so I am not from Pittsburgh. I've lived here for about um, about nine and a half years, probably. Um, I am from Huntington, West Virginia. So my childhood, I, I think I would have considered it um, pretty normal up until probably about first or second grade, because I'm just doing some inner child work lately. And um, yeah, like younger me just kind of felt happy. And I'm glad that there was a time in my life that, you know, I was innocent and, um, you know, felt happy and enjoyed that part of my life. Yeah. Um, so probably about, like I said, first grade, my parents got divorced and um, I lived with my mom, visited my dad some, and, but another, a little extra part of my my life, my grandparents, my, my mother's parents. I was very close to them. And so I was there pretty much every day. My mom would work. So, you know, being a single mother, she worked outside the house. We gave my grandparents a dress so that I could go to all the schools that I wanted to go to. And yeah, even all the way through high school, I um, was always at my grandparents' house. After school, we ate dinner there. They really took care of us because, you know, my mom not really having an education and just kind of taking minimum wage jobs, <laughs> you know, money was not um, flowing very freely back then. Yeah. So thankfully we had my grandparents. That's great. But you guys didn't yeah. actually live with your grandparents? You know, in your own place. Okay. We did. And for a lot of the time probably third grade until I was 19. I think we lived in basically uh, lower income housing. So like okay. a large apartment complex. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So we lived there, but always with my grandparents. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad that you had your grandparents. That's awesome. Where did you go after high school? Did you aim for a college route? Did you do something a little different? What I thought my life was going to be after high school and now is so different than what I planned. Um, I was very academically focused. Um, my only job through school was to make good grades. Okay. And so, yeah, I had huge plans. Somehow I was going to be an astronaut. It was during third grade, the Challenger explosion. That's yeah. how that, that's where I was when that happened. And somehow that made me decide I wanted to be involved in the space industry. <laughs> so I was the opposite effect, effect on you as what one might think it would have. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I, yeah, I thought that was funny. So that maybe gives um, us some insight into Amy's brain. I guess let's, let's do the opposite. <laughs> so I was going to go um, into engineering, you know, and 
So in high school, I was taking all the hard classes, chemistry, yeah. physics, trig, calculus. So I did, of course, choose um, which colleges, like was looking at colleges to go to. And I always grew up with the, um, the idea and was kind of, I guess, passed along from my mother and stuff. I can do whatever I want to do. Okay, well then I am somehow going to do this and I'm going to go to the school that I want to go to. So my first choice was Virginia Tech. You should appreciate that being in Virginia. And I had a few other colleges that I applied to. And of course, my local college, I, where I lived, it was Marshall University. So, you know, you just apply to those for fun because you know you'll be able to get into those. Yeah. And so I got into Virginia Tech. Um, I w- didn't get straight into the um, engineering program, but like at least into the science so that I could take a few classes and then work my way in. I was super excited thinking that um, we had all the money situation um, squared away with loans and any grants and stuff that I could get. And like two weeks before school started, um, the big loan. It was like a parent plus loan, I think. Um, it fell through and it was pretty much the full thing. So I spent the next two weeks trying to trying to find money and it didn't happen. So that was, you know, huge disappointment for me. And it just kind of started this, like not really knowing what I wanted to do anymore. And I, so I did go to Marshall. Um, and like, I started just kind of stop going to classes and would fail them. And that's not me, you know, it took me like nine years, probably on and off to finally get my shit together and graduate with a degree. And I have an English degree. <laughs> well, that's quite a bit different than engineering, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm I can't even remember all the degrees that I switched to in between. Yeah. That had to have been a huge blow first. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, and and to have caused you to then be so disappointed, I guess. Is that a good word for it? That you just didn't have the heart to really put the effort into the classes? Yeah, and um I do have a long history of depression. So of course that really set off another, you know, big wave. And so so you were, you were, um, diagnosed with depression earlier than that prior to that during Um, childhood. Um, so of course, back then it was not as, um, known of not Mm -hmm. as accepted. Yeah. So Basically, I'm pretty sure it started in about uh, middle school, sometime like seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And it really was a huge part of my life that nobody knew about. I think I was 19 when I finally um, sought some help for like maybe you know medication or something for depression. So prior so, yeah. to that, you were not doing anything medically or seeing anyone you just know felt miserable yes <laughs> yeah yeah it was like wearing a mask um, yeah. everywhere you know and pretending to be happy and then going home and being just so tired and just laying down and sleeping for hours how did you manage to keep up your grades and and have this goal of being an engineer if you were tired all the time it's, it's funny. And I am not a hundred percent sure now. I think certain things were the only thing that got me through. I was also in band. So I had a lot of activities. Okay. Um, and I think keeping myself busy was what got me through. Um, so first I think I saw a therapist or a psychologist that kind of says, okay, here's your questionnaire. Yes. You have depression and anxiety and now we'll send you over to um, the psychiatrist for medication. And I remember him, he was pretty, a pretty older doctor and he was not very nice. And he made me feel 
um, horrible because he's like, how do you have depression if you made it through high school with good grades and um, you were in band and you did this and stuff? How did you, you don't, how do you have depression? You couldn't possibly have depression if you did all of that, right? Exactly. Yeah. He was pretty much telling me that I didn't. Wow. So I never saw him again. I told the therapist I would not get back to him yeah yeah wow so what did you end up doing did you go see someone else I did I'm trying to remember I know I tried a a few different medications and they all had like their side effects right so we didn't find one yet and they always wanted to put me on Prozac and I was like no I will not be on Prozac because you know the the stigma around Prozac back then yeah I'm like I will not you know I don't want to go on Prozac and it turns out finally after a few more years um I was on Prozac (laughs) and that was the one that worked it was the one that worked the longest like you know how how medications are you have to switch them every now and then so Yeah, I was on Prozac for a while. Well, I'm glad that you found something that worked. How did you end up paying for college? Did, was it just you were working to pay for it or did you have some smaller grants? Yeah, being um, in state and it being a state school, yeah, I was able to get grants and loans. Okay. It definitely racked up the student loans because after I finally graduated with um, my bachelor's, I went straight into a master's and then straight into another master's. Wow. So you have two master's degrees now? Yeah. What are those in? One is in environmental science and the other one is in geography and GIS. Wow. (laughs) I don't know anybody who has those degrees. Nobody. (laughs) So what were the careers that you sort of anticipated with those degrees? So the environmental science degree, I remember sitting in um, the Marshall cafeteria eating lunch or something one day and a lady came around. She was an older lady and she was talking about something environmental. And I can't remember which one it was because in West Virginia, of course, um, the uh, mountaintop mining is a big one for us. so it could have been that. I'm not sure. And then um, that kind of piqued my interest and I kind of went down a rabbit hole of an environmental. I would still call myself an environmentalist, but not to, you know, the like extreme, I guess. Yeah. So, um, and I had been a vegetarian for ever. Well, since I was, I guess, 16 in high school. And that's also helpful with the environment. So I did that and I decided, okay, I'll go into this, this one, this degree. I liked some of the classes. What I found out too late is it was more of a degree that was geared towards working for a large corporation and like running industrial processes and doing environmental science stuff for them and testing and that's not really what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had taken some geography classes and that was my minor for my undergrad. So okay. I'd already kind of been in that world. And I was like, why didn't I just go do the geography degree? Because that I could teach, but also with um, environmental issues. And then the GIS that was starting to get really big. I can What's find GIS? Uh, geographic information systems. It's okay. like where you see all the mapping, it's like Mm -hmm. taking computer data and adding it to a map and displaying and being able to analyze and stuff. Okay. So I did my geography uh, masters and I did like my, like an extra certificate in GIS, which is, you know, so many hours. And then my last year, I got to be a GA, a grad assistant. So I also got to teach. So that kind of started my teaching career, okay. <laughs> my, cool. you know, getting my, the teaching bug going, oh, I like this. I got to teach <laughs> kind of adjunctly a bit. And you stayed at the college and continued and taught for a little while after yeah, you got I, degree. 
as well or just during that last year? Um, so during that last year, but then I also, um, the job that I was getting, I got to teach with that too. So I, I started working, uh, doing some GIS stuff for like a research institute and they did transportation stuff. So we digitized a lot of maps and created um, some databases. So I got to start doing that. And then they needed um, an assistant for teaching their classes. And I'm like, oh, hello, you know, cause that's one of the things I like doing. So I got to start helping. We were teaching GIS classes to the DOT. Okay. <laughs> and that it was, you know, mostly a bunch of men um, and their ages ranged anywhere from like, you know, 20, 30 to 60 or so, you know, and <laughs> they were funny because especially the older guys, they're like clueless about a computer. So it's like really, really having to kind of come back to the basics and teach them that. I eventually took over as like the, the lead trainer for that. And what was kind of weird in this position, <laughs> they were also involved with our local community college. So they created this, this position because I don't think anyone could, you know how budgets are. Mm -hmm. So like <laughs> they ended up creating a position where I worked for the Institute half and the community college half. Okay. So made one full-time job. And um, what was really neat was because they didn't have anyone who taught geography or any of the things that I, you know, was familiar with. I got to come in, teach my own classes, create all my own classes, and um, make up classes that I wanted to teach. And I loved it. So I would teach, um, you know, a few classes a semester and then also do my the other training with the DOT I enjoyed all that so much and so being involved with that I kind of got into like the administrative part of higher education and so I started a doctorate <laughs> in higher education administration okay I think I did about three years um so I was getting close to beginning to write a dissertation one of the deans called me in and just kind of told me that uh, after the semester I no longer had a job and it was like another one of those huge blows in my life all it was was budget that's all they really told me I didn't take it well <laughs> and then eventually about a month or two later the um the other half the other part of my job um, let me go because they didn't want a half-time employee and they didn't want to make me full-time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that was a big disruptor. Woo. And at the same time, I ran out of money for um, loans. And right. so I never finished my doctorate. Were you getting your doctorate covered? You were paying for it with the job. It wasn't covered. But no, you, no. I was but getting without loans. the job, you wouldn't have money to pay. You can look for another job to pay for things. But well, that's a huge, huge blow. Then you've invested three years of time into a PhD, and we're doing something that you really loved. Mm -hmm. What happened? The woo side of us would say, "I think that was a Saturn return that really hit me hard." in the 30s my early 30s mm -hmm. when I was you know when I ended up losing my job and then I had um been diagnosed with thyroid cancer about a year or so before that so I was wow. still kind of coming off of that mm -hmm. and then I lost my jobs and okay. I tried to find a job for a very long time I was out of work for almost two years in West Virginia. Wow. Um, and I could not even get a job at um, like a restaurant or anywhere. And of course, I was putting my education on there, just kind of 
feeling that it was probably one of those. Everyone felt that you were overqualified. Yeah. And then, but then there was nothing available for anything you know. that was more applicable to your education. Exactly. Wow. Can um, we back up just a minute and talk yeah, about yeah. your cancer diagnosis? Sure. sure. Um, do, so you went through treatment? Well, what, what happened? So for at least probably a decade at this point, I had already been diagnosed with autoimmune disease and some of the other things that kind of go along with that. Um, I have Sjogren's syndrome, you know, autoimmune, it's your body is going to attack something of your, mm-hmm. inside your own body. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Sjogren's, it is attacking your moisture producing glands. It can affect so much and you don't even think about that. I have extremely dry eyes. Right. A dry, very dry mouth. You'll see me drinking all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, skin, but it's also your internal organs. Everything is dry. Like my Everything GI is system. Dehydrated. Mm, yeah. Wow. It, so it's really kind of crazy. And then it also acts a little bit like RA, mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis, lots of chronic pain. Um, I have fibromyalgia mm-hmm. thrown in there. I mean, you name it. Because <laughs> those things weren't enough. <laughs> exactly. It's just been like basically one battle after the other yeah. since, gosh, what, high school or so? <laughs> such a long struggle where you just can't get ahead, right? Is that how you were feeling? Like I can't get anywhere because one thing after another just keeps coming. Yeah. And I just had a normal doctor's appointment in my PCP. I guess she felt something when she was, you know, how they do all the, you know, checking your neck and your glands. Mm -hmm. I guess she felt something. So she wanted me to have an ultrasound. So I went and had the ultrasound and the radiologist found this one tumor and it was like 0.9 of a centimeter. And they typically don't uh, start to do like any biopsies unless it's over one. And, but this, this doctor decided to go ahead and have it biopsied. And if you've ever had a fine needle biopsy, those are not fun. And especially, I have always been very like protective of my neck, my throat, and just having like this needle jabbed in my throat, it was not a good time. It came back, um, malignant. So the type that I had was papillary. Um, they call it papillary thyroid cancer. What's also interesting is that you were treated by an endocrinologist, not an oncologist, because this type chemo does not work for. So my thyroid has been removed. <laughs> I have no thyroid. Wow. Um, I talked to the ENT surgeon Sometimes they will go in and just take out one lobe and have it tested to see what type of cancer, if it's anywhere else, and then go back in if they have to. I didn't want two surgeries. So I was like, let's just take the full thing. And um, it turned out to be a good idea because my full thyroid was just little tiny tumors all throughout the entire thing. Wow. Yeah. It's so crazy. So that was good. What they do, they use um, a radioiodine pill. Your thyroid loves iodine, so it'll suck it right up. Um, So after my surgery and they do a scan to see, um, you take a little little bit of um, radioiodine, just kind of lights up any residual pieces of your thyroid that might still be in there. And they did see a little bit because you've got vocal cords, you've got uh, your parathyroids and everything. So it's kind of a delicate process. So we did the radio iodine and I had to go on a, on a no sodium or I couldn't use it. I couldn't eat anything that had salt in it because it was iodized salt. So I had to make everything from scratch with non-iodized salt for three weeks. (laughs) 
So wow. then you take you take the pill and hopefully it destroys anything left over and you have to be isolated for three days. I've done this, all the scans and everything since and nothing has come back. But the, um, the radioiodine pill did actually cause me to have cataracts at age like 33. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the only reason I have glasses. If you're like most small business owners, you've invested in one or probably many platforms to support your business, but maybe you aren't sure if they're doing what you want them to do, or you don't have the patience or the time to figure it out. You need to spend time doing what you do best, helping your current clients and attracting new ones. I can help with my new program, The Audit, I'll take a look at your current processes and platforms, such as welcoming new subscribers to your email list or onboarding new clients for coaching, courses, or memberships, automations that you can set and forget. I also perform audits on brick and mortar businesses from scheduling to order fulfillment to inventory. Let me save you time and money by reviewing your processes and platforms to find the most cost-effective and efficient way to automate processes that allow you to run your business without reinventing the wheel with every new product or offer. I'll provide a written report with recommendations for optimizing your current platforms, and if appropriate, offer options that would simplify the process or reduce your costs. And you'll have access to me for a month after the audit to ask questions during implementation. Click the link in the show notes to get started today. All right, so all of this happens, and <laughs> obviously, you have an identity. I mean, this is what I really like to dig into is just these things that change the perception of ourselves and um, the things that I call disruptions are just the things that change the direction hmm. or change the way we think about ourselves. Did you have any tools at this point to help you with the depression and, you know, on top of the cancer and then losing these jobs, losing your access to your PhD, what did you do? Well, I definitely did not have like the tools or the mindset or anything that I have now. That's yeah. like what I've gained in the last few years. Mm -hmm. So it was like a cumulative um, trauma mm -hmm. from, I mean, all the way from high school up yeah. it's just been accumulating and I really went into a really bad depression my health was not good I didn't really have access to a doctor anymore because I didn't have insurance um and my car was repossessed um my credit was horrible it was um a rock bottom definitely yeah and my mom you know like I said she always just had very small, like minimum wage jobs. So I was actually kind of helping her with some things or taking her on a vacation and stuff like that with me. Um, and so now I have nothing and just a little bit of unemployment coming in. You know, I have very strange relationship with family. Um, mm -hmm. I was never very close to my dad. I am one of those who I, I feel like I make my family Mm -hmm. Even though there's all these people I'm related to, I just don't feel any type of bond with, with them. Are your grandparents still around? No, my grandmother passed away when I was, when I was 19, she got to see me graduate high school, but she, she also had cancer okay. um, and passed away. But my grandfather, I'm pretty sure I had cancer already when he passed away after that. So he lived to be like 89, 90, I think. So yeah, I didn't even have, you know, I didn't have them. Yeah. Um, and family drama ensued. Even though I'd always had a very strained relationship with my mother, what I would say now, she is she's very uh, dysregulated, her nervous system, very dysregulated. Uh, she was one person around everybody else and another person around me. Um, wow. I would get the blunt of all of her stress. A lot of emotional trauma and stuff from my mother, yeah. even though I still trusted her, like 
you know, even as as messed up and as, as stressed, you know, as our relationship is. But this two year, almost two year gap that I was, you know, out of work and just going through a really hard time. My uncle and her kind of devised a plan to get me out of the house. Uh, they said that we all had to move and I forget the exact plan, but like, basically I had to be gone by this date. And then we had also in between all this time, I started doing rescue. So we had lots of dogs also. I had become friends with uh, one of the rescue people up here in Pittsburgh who created um, a beagle rescue. And so I was sending them dogs from our local shelter. Um, somehow I became really good friends with um, Julie. She knew all this was going on. And when the time came that I had to be gone, she came down, moved me to Pittsburgh. And I had nothing, no money, nothing. And then it turned out that all of that was a lie just to get me out of the house. It's been nine and a half years and I have a very strained relationship with my mother over that. Like I said, she was the only person relative wise that I could trust. I thought that I could trust. Amy, you had the rug really pulled out from under <laughs> you. But here's, yeah. the, here's the interesting thing that I have found in all of these um, podcast episodes and all the people that I have talked to is that there is always at least one person. There's always at least one connection, one human connection that kind of pulls us out of that darkest spot. Yeah. So what happened when Julie came to get you and moved you to Pittsburgh? She rented a U-Haul. We put whatever I was taking with me in it. Um, all of my dogs had to be split up. Um, that was a very hard thing for me. Um, sure. A few stayed with my mom. Um, and then we brought five and two of those went to a foster friend of ours or of Julie's, Jan and her husband. They were great. So two of my dogs I went to Jan's. And then I took three with me. I have since, of course, gained a few more dogs. Yes, I remember the count was five when we started here. We did rehome one of the ones that were with my mother to another rescue because he was young and just a little bit too much for her. Mm -hmm. But she does still have my beagle. And um, well, I guess it's more of her beagle now. Um, yeah. And another one of our dogs. And yeah. then... Um, the, the two that went with Jan, they lived happy lives and they both have passed in the past year. Mm. So I had tons of guilt over leaving my dogs anywhere. So that was one of the hardest things for me. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I finally kind of, you know, come to a good place. Yeah, they were happy, so. That's good to know that they're happy and that you made the best decision that you could for them at the time, right? Yeah, it was a really hard time, so I had no other choice. Yeah. I'm learning so much about you. <laughs> what did you do when you arrived in Pittsburgh? Were you able to find a job? So, yeah, fairly quickly. Um and it's always good when people know other people. That's kind yeah. of seems like how I get most of my jobs. I started out at a pet co <laughs> in the grooming salon. Okay. Um, because, uh, yes, because Julie knew the manager at that time. So I spent some time working in the salon with the doggies. I did a Starbucks stint for like a month. And that location was horrible. And I was like, nope, I still visit Starbucks daily almost. And okay, but I don't hold it against them. I met one of the owners of ITIC. They used to have a distribution center and I worked in the distribution center. I worked there for two and a half years or so. It wasn't like my dream job or anything like that. Um, but it was just enough to get some money, right? 
they got purchased or merged and they were basically getting rid of the distribution center. So that day I had just found out that I got another job for the city of Pittsburgh. <laughs> and oh, that's wow. when he told us he had to let us all go. And he was really worried about me. He used to be one of the founders of No Dog Left Behind. He had a plane. So him and his friend created this nonprofit where they help transport animals, rescue animals. So that's how I met him because he flew dogs in from West Virginia and stuff for us. So then I moved on to the city of Pittsburgh, which is where I'm at now. Okay. It's really funny because my best friend, Julie, who brought me to Pittsburgh, she is a police lieutenant. I took the, um, the civil service test for like an administrative clerical type position. And somehow out of all the places, I, I end up with the police. And <laughs> I worked for one of the zones for a short time until the training academy needed somebody. So I moved over to the training academy and that's where I've been ever since. And it's funny that I ended up working for the same place that that she works just by accident. <laughs> I know that you are a certified yoga instructor mm. and, you know, we know human design and Reiki. How did you get into that <laughs> world? Was this after you had started at the, with the police? Yeah. So I was always a little woo, um, on and off throughout my life. You know, it's just funny as one thing that my, my best friend said to me one day, because she's always wanted to be a cop. She never wanted to be anything else. Okay. And she's like, why don't you want to do anything normal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, but that's just not me apparently. Yeah. So I started kind of, um, going back to, to yoga, doing yoga. I had wanted to on and off, like thought about doing a, a training, but I wasn't sure if I was going to mostly because I've always been a larger person. I mean, I've always been in a larger body, um, except for one short period of time when I lost hundred pounds and then gained it back right before cancer or right around wow. cancer. <laughs> but, um, so I had to find a place that I felt comfortable and that mm -hmm. they actually um, would welcome me in. And I did. I found that um, in a studio called 1.1 Yoga here in Pittsburgh. I started my training in January. And then somehow, and I didn't even know what it was. I kept seeing the words Reiki floating around. And I'm like, what is that? And I learned a little bit about it. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do some training. So I started my Reiki training also. And for anyone that doesn't know about Reiki, it is um, a form of energy healing. So again, staying with my woo, um, yeah. <laughs> my woo topic. Um, so I started both of those. And of course we had COVID hit and my poor yoga training, everyone had to pivot. We had to go online when we, we got a few months in and then we had to, to stop and figure everything out. And then at least we got to come back together towards like the last month and two, month or two. And because of COVID, I didn't really um, start teaching right away. So I was a little bit scared of teaching. Yeah. Um, and I was really drawn to uh, yin and restorative yoga because of what my body was wanting at this point. I didn't want the power yoga, the hot power yoga anymore. Um, with the chronic pain, I learned how yin and restorative, how it really helped. So I knew I wanted to teach that. And so I did some extra training in that later on. And um, then of course, we all meet um, Allison Cullen of You Do Woo probably about this the same time uh, in 2022 yeah yeah I think I you I, did did we just figure this out we took the same course right mm -hmm. the feminine art of getting rich with Alice yeah. at the same time yeah, exactly but didn't meet until months later but I know 
I had heard of human design and had already known a little bit about it. But with Allison, you know, we learned so much about human design. And then I'm like, okay, I want to learn that now too, because that is me. I am a just a constant learner. I'm just I want to learn everything. I did some uh human design training this past year and I've done several different types of Reiki training and um have become a Reiki master and I am finally going to to teach my first class um in just a few days. (laughs) I'm really excited because I'm going to be one of your students. I know. That's awesome. I'm really excited to learn about it. I love the idea of being able to move energy in in a very different way. Yeah, we've learned just everything is energy. I feel like energetics has become just like it's at the forefront now of everything. We hear it it all the time. Yeah, I think um, that, well, it's part of this uh, new paradigm, right? The world is becoming more aware of energetics and the quantum field and how we are all connected. It's so interesting. I would probably guess since I've known you that you're probably still working through this identity change, but do you feel like you have more of the tools to heal all of this trauma that you have experienced? Yeah. I mean, of course there's, um, there's days, but overall ongoing journey, right? Yes. It's definitely an ongoing journey. Yoga really helped because a big part of yoga is acceptance. They call it non-ahimsa. Ahimsa means harm, harming Mm -hmm. and not loving yourself. It'd be a big part of ahimsa. It was one day in yoga that it just kind of hit me. So there are all these tools and it's, it's awesome when I am doing um, a Reiki session on somebody and it helps them. I am um, what they call clairsentient, meaning I feel things. Um, And it's made sense because I can now go back to like high school and be like, oh yeah, I was picking up on their energy. I will pick up on people's energy And I can kind of tell them, you know, I'm picking up this or your third chakra is it's blocked today or, you know, just different things. And they'll be like, oh yeah. Unfortunately, I do feel people's sadness, especially in their heart. People are, you know, they're very anxious. They're very um, sad. I very rarely feel happy. (laughs) I was going to ask, is that, do you feel like it's something that you are perhaps more sensitive to because of your own experiences are you soaking up too much of other people's energy um I don't think so okay at at least now I'm able to release it perhaps when you were younger you were soaking up other people's energy but you didn't realize it wasn't your own Mm -hmm. yeah now I'm definitely definitely more aware and um yeah I'll know definitely like that is coming from you and and not me or yeah it's so crazy now because of like in the house it's like you can feel energy shifts and it's like okay who is anxious you know it's like what's going on that's interesting yeah and even the dogs (laughs) really you can feel their energy shifts as well yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, we have an epileptic coonhound and a very anxious dachshund pit bull mix. So they both enjoy their Reiki. I love that part of it too. And I have a, a, a husky who's getting older. And, oh. you know, I like to, I, I like the idea of maybe being able to understand where she's at. Hopefully she will enjoy the Reiki when you are able to, because um, animals are very sensitive to energy. So yeah. yeah. Um, And what I've learned is sometimes if you, if they don't want you touching them, then you can come, you know, you can bring it out a little bit Um, or even from afar you can test, you know, of course you can try it out. Some, there's a couple here that they know I'm doing it and they come over. Oh, like, 
hello, can I join? <laughs> some don't care. Some love it. You know, Huskies are very independent, but I they hope are. she will be interested. <laughs> Amy, where can people find you on the internet? The best place is always going to be Instagram. And my Instagram handle is Amy in Alignment. Okay. We'll make sure that everybody can find you there. Thank you so much for coming today and having a chat with me and being so open about all of trauma that you've been through and letting us see a glimpse into how you have come through it. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I've always hoped that parts of my story, somebody else will be able to recognize themselves in it and maybe it will help them too. Absolutely. Thank you. you for listening. I know there are many podcasts you can spend your precious time with, and I am grateful you came here today. You can connect with Amy on Instagram at Amy in Alignment. You can find me on social media at I am Sarah Larson, or at my website, sarah-larson.com. That's Sarah with an H and Larson with an E. Links for both of us can be found in the show notes. The number one way that people find podcasts is through the recommendation of a friend. If you liked this episode, take a screenshot and send it to someone you think will enjoy it or share it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can give you a shout out. A great way to say thank you is to leave a five-star rating or even better, leave a review with your impressions of the podcast. My desire is that as many people as possible will be inspired by the stories shared here and your support helps spread the word. Thank you, friends. See you next time.